Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod, the podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now. Hey everyone, Mike here. Thanks so much for supporting the Behind the Racket podcast. I'm recording this portion Monday morning, February 15th, 12.30 a.m. It is absolutely a blizzard outside of my hotel room in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, and just finished the ITA Division One Men's Team Indoor Championship, and North Carolina and Will Blumberg, our guests this week, champions with a win over Baylor a couple of hours ago. Want to make sure we let you know that this interview was recorded before the tournament began. Time was very short for both Will and myself, and Noah joined us, of course, where he is preparing for a futures event in Florida this coming week. Will Blumberg, 23 years of age, out of Greenwich, Connecticut. NCAA singles finalist for North Carolina as a freshman now in his fifth year with North Carolina. He wouldn't have been here playing for the Tar Heels had it not been for COVID, but he is in his fifth season in Chapel Hill. In terms of his professional career, despite having an incredible junior career, he's actually only played 28 professional matches, some of that due to injuries and, of course, just an incredible collegiate career, already an eight-time All-American. You'll hear a little bit about that, as well as much, much more, some of his very notable training partners over the years. So now, myself, Noel Rubin, and our guest, Will Blumberg. As I'm preparing here to do the broadcast for the ITA National Indoors, Noah is down in, um, this, this is really hard for myself and our, and our guest, Will Blumberg, because Will, we're, we're looking at like snow 
ice. It's 10 degrees. We're recording on, on Thursday before the competition gets started. And Noah is sitting here, like there are palm trees and grass. And it's, it's, it's really frustrating because he looks like he's happy and warm and we are both frigid. And it's, it's a tough ask. Yeah, he's got a t-shirt on. Yeah. I was going to say, I have sweatpants on. I'm actually sweating in them. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, Florida doesn't have grass. We all know that. I mean, well, there's fake stuff behind me, but <laughs> it is nice. It is nice not to, I missed uh, the fifth snowstorm in New York. So I'm glad you guys get to feel it a little bit. Yeah, this is, this is more like ice and just frigid. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, is, there, I, is, is there sun there? I think I see a little bit of sun though. No. No, not <laughs> No. No. <laughs> Um, we, Will is joining us, and, and as you might be able to hear, he is wearing a mask. I am wearing a mask here in Champaign. They are pretty strict about um, COVID measures. They've done better testing than pretty much anywhere in the country. They are rolling out vaccine uh, better than anyone in the country. And so Will is here for um, ITA National Indoors. Um, what's the experience been like? And if, if you can kind of compare what it's been like on this campus and how they've prepared for this with how you've done it at North Carolina. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, we all had to get tested before we came on Monday. We, we at school had been getting tested twice a week. Uh, so we've been pretty prepared. They did a good job here today. All of us, every, every team got tested this morning. Um, they had rapid results, so we were all negative. So it was cool. I think they've prepared very well. I've heard they've done a great job of testing. It's awesome that they've been able to even have this event. Mm -hmm. uh, we're thankful for that. So, um, you know, hopefully everyone's negative and able to play. Um, but, yeah, it's been, they've done a great job here. At UNC, they've done a really good job, too. Uh, the fall was a little crazy. I think students coming back was, you know, unfortunately tough, but they probably could have been prepared for that. Um, so looking forward to a good week. Hopefully everyone stays negative and yeah. that's most important. Kind of uh, take us through the college tennis right now. Uh, I practice with, you know, like Brian Shee, who is at Harvard and like they canceled early, you know, talk about, you know, how long before you knew that there was actually going to be a season, what the season looks like, how you're preparing, is there practice? Take us through it. Yeah. I mean, to be quite honest with you, it's, uh, it's kind of like every day is different. You know, I didn't really believe there'd be a season until our first match was played. Uh, I still don't know if we're going to play, you know, <laughs> tomorrow. Seriously, because, you know, it, it's kind of like the same as it is like when you're playing a tournament, except in, on the college campuses, they're super strict. So, like, if I test negative or one of our three guys test negative today, I'm sure that our team's not allowed to play. Yeah. So it's kind of like, a, you know, you prepare as best you can, but there are so many things you can't control. Uh, you know, you can to the best of your ability of quarantining, but we had to fly here. So, you know, I had a face shield and, you know, school policy and 95 masks, but uh, you just do your best. But there's so many things you can't control. It's kind of frustrating. It's, you know, a, a lot has been made about the college football and basketball seasons and how they're, they're doing it, especially because those are such money-making opportunities for, for the universities. It's obviously a very different for all of the Olympic sports, the non-revenue sports. I think a lot of, um, I, I've felt that a lot of the athletes, especially on the basketball and football side, they're taking a lot of risk because of the fact they're not making any of that money. It's different for Noah, uh, you know, than it is for you. How do you kind of handle that with the fact that you are still a student athlete as opposed to somebody who is getting paid to take this risk? Yeah, I mean, it is tough. First of all, I think, you know, to be honest, without football even being played, probably tennis wasn't played this year. Yeah. Uh, so... 
you know, we are thankful for that. Basketball, they've had some ups and downs this year of, of you know, different COVID situations and stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's tough. I mean, for me personally, uh, I'm, you know, fifth year. I'm not doing very much. I'm not, you know, doing anything really. Yeah. My girlfriend's not there. So I'm just hanging at home. I'm just practicing going home, as boring as that sounds. So my day-to-day kind of risk is not very high besides this flight and we have maybe one or two more flights for the ACC season besides we drive you know I can't really say that I'm at that much risk although you could go to a restaurant and get it whatever you know but um, I'm limiting risk and I'm just thankful to be able to be playing matches if I had left school and and not you know who knows I might play two matches the whole right you know semester so right I'm just happy to be able to play matches Um, take this for what it is (laughs) I think you're in your 10th year of school. I feel like you've been in school forever. <laughs> um, you know, kind of bring us through, you know, you as a person, as a player, where you're seeing yourself, how you see your game, and what kind of, you know, a lot of people would say you are arguably far talented enough to to play professional tennis right now. What is keeping you in school, and what are your thoughts post-school? Yeah. Well, there are a lot of questions there. I'll try and, like, uh, answer them, like, as, as whatever. So I think that, like, growing up, uh, you know, we kind of grew up in the same area. School is important. It's academics were always really important to my family and, you know, my parents especially. So college for me was always something that I wanted to do. I think in America, college always seemed like a really cool option. Winning a national championship was awesome. So I think that drove me to go to college. I think although I had a lot of success my freshman year, I realized quickly in playing like that summer, I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't talented. You know, I just didn't have it yet. You know, I felt like I could compete. I was there. I had flashes. I had played really well against Jordan Thompson that summer. And I was like, okay, I have opportunities to be here. But one, I don't believe that I should be here right now. And two, I'm not healthy enough. So I went back my sophomore year, you know, did well, blah, blah, blah. Then I basically just had some injuries. I'm not a big excuse guy, but I just, it just didn't make sense for me to leave. Like I wasn't. The ankle was the big one, right? My, I had my shoulder, my elbow, okay. uh, elbow surgery, October, 2018, which was, I actually saw, I played Noah right before that, uh, but I had my elbow, and then the next summer, I had my ankle, so okay. I was like, there's just no way I'm, like, leaving, and then um, after this past season, my senior year, I was for sure ready to go, I was done, I was playing well, I actually felt mentally I was there, and then, you know, COVID happened, and there's not much I could do. In, in, in that regard, you, you mentioned, you know, the Jordan Thompson, that was, I believe, semifinal Binghamton yep. that, that year. And I, I think a lot of players would have left. So, you know, you, you talk about you didn't feel you were ready. What does that, what does that yeah. mentally mean for you? Well, I mean, I think, like, you know, fortunately as Americans, we've got, we, we're able to see so many people kind of go through the path. College tennis has become more regularly. Noah went to college tennis, you know, through the college tennis ranks. It's just like you watch people, and I was pretty honest with myself. It's like, okay, I'm talented enough, but... I'm not strong enough to do this week after week. I don't really want to do this right now. I don't want to travel and like grind. I don't want, you know, I'm not like interested in doing that when I can still get better and college is a good place for me uh, academically and for tennis. Um, And mainly I wasn't like healthy enough, strong enough. Like with my injuries, I was just feeling like I have to do so many things to prepare. I like, I can play two weeks and then if I'm injured again, what am I doing? Like I, I might as well be able to just take classes and and I was able to play tournaments throughout that whole fall so it just made more sense for me to do that when I was you know 
I don't know, it, it really hit me more like this past year. I really wanted to turn pro after the, my senior year, but I was like, you know, instead of just wanting to post the Instagram and like do it and like have all the hype, like just take it easy, you know, like sit back because you never know how long COVID will be. Um, I, I'm, I have a memory and it's kind of fuzzy. M- most of my memories are, and Noah will tell you that's because I drink way too much. That's, that's fine. Way too much. <laughs> um, but if, if I remember correctly, I believe it was Dallas a couple of years ago that you, you played yep. the, you got a wild card there. Yep. And were you working with Diego or was Diego on site working yeah, that, that week he was yeah. working with? If, if I remember correctly, and for, for those who don't know Will, I mean, you're, you're very close with Tommy, Paul. Um, that's, that's kind of your yeah. group, right? Um, and I, I remember seeing you very, very emotionally upset after losing that match in Dallas, and I can't even remember who it was against. Me either. Uh, <laughs> but I just, I remember seeing that because I, I think I even overheard you talking about comparing yourself to Tommy specifically. And Tommy obviously has had a lot of success and Riley and, and Taylor and all those guys. How did you come to grips with that idea that you can't really necessarily compare yourself to a player at that stage in your, your game? Yeah. I mean, I think even, like, the decision of going to college is where it's, it all starts. You know, I mean, those guys um, didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time, it was like me and Nathan Ponwith who did go to college. Um, and he's had awesome success in college, too. But it's just like you become to a, you get to a point in which, like, they're having awesome success, you know. I'm having success at this point. Obviously, it's very different. Yep. Um, but you kind of just, like, draw inspiration more than, like, want to be there. Of course I want to be there. Of course I'm cheering them on. But at some point, you just have to understand that there are two roads, you know, like, two plus two is four, so is one plus three. Mm. So, like, there are other ways to get there. Um, and I think probably what was frustrating me more is that when you're in college, and Noah probably can attest a little bit, although he was there a shorter time, you don't have many opportunities when you get to play Challenger, especially like Dallas. We happen to be playing Texas in Austin, mm. so that's why, you know. So it was like you want to make the most of it uh, to have the opportunities, and that was probably frustrating me at the time. Yeah. Uh, but things like that. I mean, obviously, uh, people joke that I was only in school for about six weeks, but, <laughs> you know, I always wanted to hear from, you know, somebody, especially you, that you're, you're going on your fifth year now. How does the motivation to, you know, I struggled watching, I think it was my year, Tiafo got the wild card to French Open after a good, you know, three tournaments in Tallahassee or whatever. How does the motivation to, you know, to want to play pro after so much time and like really enjoying that life, you know, how does that stick with you throughout, you know, your experience in college? Yeah, I mean, it comes in waves, you know. I mean, I'd be lying to say if like there aren't times where I'm like, you know, getting a great act, you know, whatever great education and then going to get a job seems cool but then I'm like when I start to be healthy and like playing I'm like okay I really believe I can do this there's a large part of me that really believes I have so much to give to tennis and we have given so much to tennis and no matter whatever the road takes like I really want to pursue that Um, you know so there's a lot especially when I'm playing well or even when I'm not or not winning but I'm just like doing things the right way my body feels good I just want to give it like my best shot because it's truly like deep down uh, I really feel like I have, you know, an ability that, that can get me to a certain point, and, and I'd, you know, be lying if I said that I didn't want to do that. But there are times in college when you see, you think the grass is greener. Um, <laughs> but how, how is that transition going to look? Because obviously at the end of the next three months, no matter what they look like, yeah. uh, you're, you're going to yeah, transition into professional tennis. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe you can get a seventh year of yeah, eligibility. No. Who knows? Um, 
But it, <laughs> how, how, what does that transition look like? How are you using this season to prepare for that eventuality? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I think, you know, in being completely honest, it was, very, it was frustrating that COVID happened for everybody. For my situation, it was frustrating that I couldn't leave at the time. But playing in college tennis and getting 30 matches this, this semester is the best thing for me. It just is. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, have, you know, motivation one, I'll be fit, I'll be prepared, I'll be having, like, momentum, you know. So using that going into the tournaments this summer, although I have no idea what tournaments there are this summer. <laughs> right, right. Um, whatever, none of us do. Just, yeah, just to yeah. be fair, none of us whatever, do. <laughs> uh, whatever I'll be able to play. I feel like, you know, I'll be able to be playing well. Um, first of all, I have to find somewhere where I'm happy. Uh, I don't do very well, as many tennis players do, but when I'm training in an environment that doesn't, I'm not happy, like, with the surroundings and yeah. everything, it's just, like, why are you doing that? Yeah. You know? I think that's why college tennis is so good for so many people. Um, but so I'll, I'll, I'll look for that. I'll talk with my family where it's the best place for me and then kind of go from there and try and build, you know, whatever team around you that you can yeah. to the to the extent that you can or just starting you know so we'll see I, I do want to go back you know I actually tell this story quite often when people ask me you know you know what was like a tactic somebody used and I don't even know but so we played I was playing well I was up a set and like 3-0 and this guy crosses the net and says man you're playing way too well today and for some reason, it <laughs> fucked me up so good. I'm like, wait, like, really? Maybe I'm playing, like, unbelievably well, and I can't keep this up. And, like, I blink, and it's three all in the third. And I'm like, holy shit, like, that worked. And all I was thinking, like, I was pissed, but, like, at the same time, I was like, it's, like, a good effort by him. Like, I, I didn't even know if it was a tactic. You're a really yeah. nice kid, so it's like, fuck. Like, maybe I he can was promise it wasn't a tactic. <laughs> right, but, like, I looked at it, and I'm like, that <laughs> fucked me up so well. I look back, and I tell people that. I was like, I'm telling you, you're down, like, you know, 6-2, 3-0. I'm just go to the guy and say, man, you're playing <laughs> way too well today. Yeah. I don't know. I can't do anything. I feel like you should be using that a lot lately. <laughs> oh, that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> No. I, I, I haven't even touched a tennis court. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I will say, though, like, things like that I actually do just, like, just, I don't know, just actually, like, trying to be nice. Like, you're actually playing very well. It does mess <laughs> up more people than you think. Because, yes. like, I don't try and do that to be, like, rude or anything. But, like, when someone hits a good shot, I'm like, oh, nice shot, great shot. Or, like, someone serves, like, three aces in a game and we're changed sides. I'm like, great serves. Like, what am I going to do? I don't know. It's just, like... Sometimes people mistake that, could mistake it for weakness. For me, it's just like, I'm just calling a spade a spade. If someone yeah. hits a good shot, whatever, it doesn't bother me. I don't know. It bothers more people than you think, but I don't try and do, do that to bother people. Well, uh, we, we mentioned, of course, uh, your, your friendship. We yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We mentioned, of course, Tommy Paul. Um, you have also spent time with the Bryans. I don't know that I know anybody more connected uh, who's not a professional than, than yourself. What's it been like having the opportunity to train with the Bryans? I, I think Jack Sock is mm. as well. I mean, those are that's like elite level training opportunities for someone yeah. like yourself. How do you try to engage those moments and really kind of learn from them and build with them? Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, I've just been fortunate enough to get to know them. Uh, I think you know, with Bob Bryan, I was training with Dean Goldfine actually. Mm. Uh, Who's and now with Sebi? Yeah, yeah, I was training with him in Florida. I was staying at his place, and he lives in the same town as Bob. So that was how I originally met Bob. I was playing ITFs, and he was, you know, on tour. And so mm -hmm. then when I went to French Open, we trained, and then Wimbledon trained. We trained that summer. So then just throughout that, it was it was just an unbelievable opportunity to just pick his brain. I mean, 
No, I'm sure you've trained with them, but they train harder than like anyone I've ever met Insane. in my life. Like when I first practiced with Bob, I had to go to the locker room and like lie down for 45 minutes in the <laughs> middle of practice. Seriously, but it just taught me like so many things about like professionalism, what it means to be like a, the, a pro's pro, but he's also such an incredible guy. Yeah. You know, so it was like, they just taught me so many things. And, and same with Jack, like, you know, for a, a lot of people obviously have many things to say about Jack. He's actually been insanely nice to me. He's taught me many things, you know, he's, I've asked him many, many questions and he's actually training really hard now. Yeah. Um, so he's been incredible for me too. It's just awesome to see that level. Those guys have reached like the top of the top, you know, so Bob and Mike especially have been amazing for me and, and I'll call Bob with doubles advice or singles mm. advice or anything. So it's just been awesome to have those guys in my corner, but mainly just to ask questions because I have so many things to learn, you know, from anyone. So to have them has just been yeah. unbelievable. You, you spoke about you know, you have so much to give to the world of tennis. But what does it mean to you? What does success mean to you? Where do you see yourself in five years? Like that same old dumb question, but you know, what does it mean for you? Does it matter if you're top 500, top 200? You're not even thinking about that. What does success in tennis look like for you? Yeah, I mean, when I was, when I was younger, you know, first of all, when I was, uh, I'd be lying to say like top 100 for me was like, okay, if I make top 100, that's cool, I made it, you know? <laughs> I think as I gotten older, um, if I really, and I'm very honest with myself, if I give like 100%, of everything I have to, to the sport, wherever I go, that's like, I'll be happy with that. But anything less, and there have been times when I'm like, listen, I have to do better. Like I'm not, I'm not training enough, I'm not focusing enough. If I really do that uh, to the best of my ability, um, you know, I'll be happy. I'm not, I really wanna be top 100 in the world, more than that, better than that, singles, doubles, whatever it is. Uh, but, you know, success for me isn't necessarily like a number because I feel like I'll always wanna get, you know, higher than that. Uh, but there's, it's kind of like within myself being honest uh, as to where I want to go. And you're ready for the grind. Yeah. You're ready now for the I'm mentally. Ready. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't when I was younger, but definitely now. Um, I would be remiss as we uh, start to wrap up here, Will. Uh, you know, we, you and I texted, a, what, a six, six months ago uh, because you were trying to take my job. You oh, are yeah. entering the podcast world. Yeah. Um, talk, talk a little bit about your podcast, why you started it, what, what you tried to get out of it, and where, yeah. where you think it's gone. Yeah, I mean, I started over quarantine, mainly, uh, to be honest, similar with the Bryans or Jack or anyone, whether I'm talking to you or Noah or anyone, you're always, like, just trying to take, like, little pieces of information, right? right. People that have been there before or done it or been on a, a similar path or, or much higher path, right? So I like to just you know, pick people's brains. So when I started the podcast, which is called The Journey of Success, I've been slacking so much lately, <laughs> but just part of what it is, what it is, it's harder than you think. Um, I, I just know. started it, yeah. Especially if you have a partner who doesn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, then it's I the wish worst. I had a partner, because then maybe they would, it would push me to do it. <laughs> uh, My partner used to have a mohawk. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just like, like you said, I'm fortunate enough to know, you know, some people. Um, and just through, you know, genuine friendships, I was able to get them to come on and just pick their brains. I mean, I think like, it's such an unbelievable asset to be able to learn from guys like Bob and Mike, who are by far the greatest doubles team ever. Um, you know, Jack Sock and anyone really in, in different industries, industries. And you just find that like, success and people's journeys are all different, but they have like, certain qualities. Um, you know, the ability to work and, and determination and just different different qualities in whatever field they are. So just to pick up on anything like that, I mean, I'm trying to do something, 
you know, in tennis that, that you know, will be a reach or a stretch or whatever it is for me. So I, any, any little piece of information I can get that, that will help me along that journey, I think you know, I'd be dumb not to. So what's the one piece of information you want to ask my partner, Mr. Noah Rubin, junior Wimbledon champion, yeah. I, Noah I actually, Rubin. Watching that. I actually thought you were going to be an asshole and be like, can you please put something for Noah Rubin to just <laughs> get something, just to grasp onto, some hope, some glimmer of hope. I'm just, no, I'm trying to put the young man on the, on the spot here as a podcaster. Now he has to come up with a question for you. Let's say, you know, I want to test his no, I, podcasting I, I, chops. I think it'd be pretty easy. I mean, Noah went through college tennis. He had a you know, incredible success. And then now, you know, he's on the grind of what real tennis is. For most people, it's a grind. It's not like, you know, all, all the glory and it's not, you're not, you're living the life all the time. So it's yeah. like, for me, my question to know would be like, how, how do you continue grinding? You know, it's harder than people think. I mean, it's harder to like, you know, it's a tough answer, but that's Jesus, like what it is. Like you just cut to the core of I Noah don't. Rubin. <laughs> I, do, I <laughs> <Yeah>. don't. <laughs> Yeah, I wish actually, and this is something I just spoke about recently and kind of answering a roundabout way is I wish I had a, either one or two more years at school. I think that would have been beneficial for me because um, one thing that you harped on is the understanding, which, you know, I kind of understood a little bit was I need happiness, you know, outside the court. I need, you know, the surrounding, I need the people around me to kind of be all the same wavelength or, and if not, I am just battling every day. And it makes this job so much tougher. So I think I wanted a little bit more of that school competitive atmosphere, team atmosphere. Um, and I think, honestly, coming back to New York earlier, but again, I still don't have a team around me working on a team now. I think those are the two things. I think getting to, quote, unquote, happy place is really what I want. And that's what I would tell anybody coming out of school right now is, you know, find that place. Because no matter where you are, you can kind of build that team around you wherever you are. I mean, sadly, right now I have a fake blue mohawk podcast host and that's literally all i got next to me um <laughs> on my tennis team but it's it's good it's going great everything's <laughs> great <laughs> the first time he's ever actually lied on this podcast that's that's, that's fantastic um well i, I see uh will your, your coach is is nearby so i think that means Legend. i think that means your your time is up with us and he's he's getting a coffee and i think i'm probably headed the same way but uh thank you very much for your time um National team indoors over the next couple of days. This is going to come out on Monday after um, after you've competed. But I, I know I'm looking forward to seeing you a little bit more often on the uh, Challenger circuit. I don't I don't know about Noah though. I, I don't know if he he's looking <laughs> forward to it nearly as much as I am. <laughs> no, I'm excited to see you. Actually, you're one of the nicer guys on tour. So we'll be happy to have you out here, and it will hopefully mute out Mike a little bit. So good <laughs> I, luck uh, this week. I'll keep telling you, you know, good plan when we play, and hopefully it doesn't mess you up too much. <laughs> nice shot. Great <Noah. laughs> <laughs> play, Noah. <laughs> Love seeing you out here. All right, Will Blumberg, yeah. thank you so much. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Priceline. 